0: One. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast Whenever you say something, other people react to it Taking my breath away, Aaron Fern Lundquist joins me Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun NASCAR icon, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Street Nobody is on the, the Episode phone. 7 The 5 of the podcast Eight. This is the America the sports Eight. podcast Eight. presented by sports Sportsbook, it is Friday, August 25th, 2023. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. Cannot believe it is game week. We have real college football on Saturday. We got ourselves a jam-packed episode of the show. A lot to get into. Here's what you need to know. We're going to start. A few days ago, we did one of those camp news and notes segments. Thought it went actually very well Uh, We're going to do it again, talk about the Bama quarterback situation, the Ohio State quarterback situation, uh, an interesting development on the West Coast. Oh, by the way, uh, LSU's one of their most important players, is suspended for week one, a shocking story that came out late Wednesday. We'll also do a little tiny week zero preview. Don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but USC plays on Saturday, Notre Dame plays on Saturday. I think there's some interesting things to discuss from that perspective. Quick break, talk a little college hoops. Not often we do it this time of year, but Cooper Flag, the number one player in America, has set up some high school visits, so we'll discuss that. Kentucky, Gonzaga, we have a date for that game. Late in the season, should be a lot of fun. And finally, we'll wrap with America's favorite podcast segment, Aaron right, Aaron wrong. And boy, oh boy, was there a lot of stuff I was right about and a lot of stuff I was wrong about this week. Busy show Fun show. We're going to cover a lot of ground. So buckle in. Buckle your chin straps, baby. That is right. Week zero is here. And with that said, let's not waste any more time. And let's get to the topic of the day. Topic of the day. Listen, it's game week. And we'll do a little bit of week zero stuff here momentarily. I don't want to spend too much time on it because there really isn't that marquee game this year. So instead, what I want to do, I want to hit on four or five kind of camp related notes as we're now basically a week away from just about everybody else outside of USC and Notre Dame getting started on their seasons next either Thursday, Friday or Saturday, where I do want to start. I do want to start with maybe the most interesting camp story in all of college football. And that is what the heck is going on at Alabama with the quarterback situation. By now, you know the story. You know the updates prior to this week as Alabama entered spring or, or fall camp with three guys really competing for the spot. Jalen Milroe, who was Bryce Young's backup last year, got a start against Texas AM. Ty Simpson, a former five-star, many believed to be the heir apparent to Bryce Young, did not really see much time last year. And then Tyler Buckner, the Notre Dame transfer, who came in after Tommy Reese was named the offensive coordinator. Tommy Reese, the new Alabama offensive coordinator, of course, came from Notre Dame. And the thought was Tyler Buckner would have a leg up on the other two because he knew the offensive system. So that was what we knew coming into fall camp. And if you listen to this show, My thought has been, listen, it's Nick Saban. He's going to be fine. He'll figure it out. Just one problem. If you listen to what Nick Saban said after practice Wednesday, I'm not going to lie. I think it is officially time to be a little bit concerned if you're an Alabama fan. Here is what Nick Saban said about the current quarterback situation at Alabama. It is not pretty. I would be worried if I was a Bama fan. He said, I told the quarterbacks, I said, quit looking around for me to make a decision about who's going to play. How about you playing good enough that I don't have a choice? That's what you can control. That's what you can do. And somebody needs to do that. And it's sort of taking shape to some degree, but somebody's got to do it. That's not good. But he continued. Remember, by the way, Alabama plays Texas in week two. Saban continued where you all think that like whoever we name as the starter for the first game, that's like the end of it. That's not the end of it. It's just the beginning. What if a guy doesn't play good? He's not entitled to keep playing. And the guy that doesn't play got every opportunity to practice and be more consistent and win this team over so that when he gets the opportunity to play, he plays really well. A lot to dive into there. And let me start by saying this. Listen. I will say, as the guy who has been, I've almost been the Aaron Rodgers. Remember Aaron Rodgers at the podium a few years ago? Packers were struggling when he was a Packer. And somebody asked him something. He goes, R-E-L-A-X, relax. Well, that's what I've been saying about this Alabama situation forever. I said, look, it's Saban. They have time. They'll figure it out. Somebody will emerge. I can't lie. As somebody who is higher on Alabama, than most everybody else in the college football media, those quotes are mortifying to me. And here's why. Let's go back and read that first quote. I told the quarterbacks, I said, quit looking around for me to make a decision about who's going to play. How about you playing good enough that I don't have a choice? So that is the first quote that is fascinating and in many ways mortifying if you're an Alabama fan. Because at the end of the day, look, we have all sorts of quarterback battles across college football. Every single year, every level, of college, uh, every level of football, high school football, NFL, Pop Warner, whatever. The thing is, not all quarterback battles are created equal, and oftentimes the reason that you can't separate quarterbacks is because both guys are playing really well. You know, you go back to Alabama is the perfect example: Tua or Jalen, Jalen or Tua. We spent months talking about that, but either way, you knew that whoever Alabama picked. They were going to be just fine because both of those guys were really good. Ohio State has had that through the years. When C.J. Stroud got the job and his backups were more than capable. Whoever, you could go on and on and on down the list. This, however, what Nick Saban said does not sound like that at all. If anything, it sounds like the exact opposite. That all three guys are afraid. That all three guys are playing from a place of fear rather than confidence. And that forget nobody taking the job, everybody is waiting for Nick Saban to pick someone in his own words. And so to me, that's scary. If you got two or three alphas in that quarterback room that are bo- that are all, you know, chomping at the bit to get that job, to get that opportunity, give me the chance, coach, that's one thing. This ain't that, though. And that's where I'm concerned. Now, if you're Nick Saban, if you're an Alabama fan, a little bit of a positive, Nick Saban has been very vocal about wanting to recommit to kind of quote-unquote old-school Alabama football, get back to the run game, get back to physicality at the line of scrimmage. I will say if you listen to some of the offensive linemen at their media availabilities, they have talked about that. They have talked about we want to punish teams. We want teams to quit on us. So that's a positive, but you still need somebody at some point to make plays through the air And the fact that Nick Saban is basically saying they're all playing from a place of fear rather than a place of confidence, that's got to be mortifying. Beyond that, and I think this is just as important, I I, we all, in my opinion, think we all kind of thought, okay, maybe week one, Alabama plays Middle Tennessee State. Not maybe, they do play out Middle Tennessee State. And maybe two, maybe all three of the quarterbacks get reps. But by the end of that game, you have to know who your quarterback is, because in week two, you play Texas. As I record here, it is August 25th. Eight days from now, Alabama opens the season, which means 15 days from now, Alabama plays Texas. The fact that Alabama has no idea, and the fact that Nick Saban said, just because we pick a guy doesn't mean he's going to be it. That's got to be equally as terrifying because, again, it's one thing if you're down to two, even three guys, and they're all balling out, and they're all great, and they're all fantastic, and they're all this, and they're all that. And then maybe you put them in game action, and maybe a guy doesn't perform like you expect, but then the guy behind him is ready to go. That doesn't really sound like this either. It sounds like we got to see them all in game action before we figure out who actually is ready to take the live bullets. So, listen, I could go on and on. But I will just reiterate what I have said a few times. I was the guy going into the seat, going into kind of fall camp over the last month. SEC Media Days was about a month ago. I was the guy that said, "Everybody, calm down. Nick Saban's going to figure it out." And I'll be blunt: on Monday, I'm making my college football playoff picks, and I've been the guy that's like, eh, "Alabama's going to be okay. Everybody, relax. Everybody, take a deep breath." Yeah. I'm not really sold that I'm as confident as I was even a couple days ago. Good news is you still have a little bit of time. Good news is Middle Tennessee State is your opener. It's not as though you're opening with Texas. Remember, for years, Alabama used to have those super marquee openers. Played USC one year, Michigan one year, Wisconsin one year, I believe. At the very least, you don't have that kind of opener, but they got to find somebody and in a hurry because Texas in week two – Quinn Ewers is coming into town that offense will be able to put up points and you're going to have to be able to go score for score and then oh by the way by the end of September they also have to play Ole Miss at home at Mississippi State they got to find a quarterback soon really quickly some other news and notes from the college football world one speaking of quarterbacks interesting week at Ohio State so last Saturday There was a report out of Columbus, multiple reports, really, that let me even backtrack here. So Ohio State has two guys competing for the job. Kyle McCord is a third year junior, I guess, maybe a redshirt sophomore. I think he's a, a true junior. Devin Brown is a redshirt freshman, did not play last year. Kyle McCord was perceived to be the favorite coming into the fall. Devin Brown did not participate in spring. But what was interesting was a few days ago, there were multiple reports that Devin Brown had surpassed Kyle McCord and that he was ultimately going to be the starter. All I can tell you is I have actually heard the opposite. I've heard, you know, again, almost like an Alabama situation. I don't think it's been an amazing camp for either. But what I kind of heard was, yeah, McCord kind of had that pole position. Devin Brown was starting to catch up over the last couple of days. It's really been more of a Kyle McCord thing. As of right now, I would still expect Kyle McCord to be the starter. But Ohio State's kind of like Alabama. They got to make decisions quick because while they don't have anybody in week two, they open at Indiana, which should be a win regardless. And then from there, they have a couple bye games. Week four, late September, they have to go to Notre Dame. And then in October, they've got a couple big games, including Penn State at home, at Wisconsin to end the month, and of course, Michigan late in the year. I know that's months away. But I do think they kind of got to figure things out because, again, you got to go to Notre Dame on a Saturday night in the middle of September. You got to be ready to go. Only other quarterback news that I found interesting, just a quick follow-up from last week. Uh, I mentioned this, but Jaden Rashada has been named the starting quarterback at Arizona State. We talked about on Monday Jaden Rashada potentially putting himself in position to get that job. Well, on Monday or Tuesday, whatever it was, it became official. Jaden Rashada, true freshman, has been named the starting quarterback at Arizona State. For people who don't remember this story, very interesting story. He was the kid, remember, signed with Florida. There was all sorts of rumors. Is it NIO related? Is it not NIO related? He ends up decommitting, or I not even decommitting. He just didn't show up when it was time to enroll for the spring. Opens up his recruitment, ends up at Arizona State. The Athletic, a week or two later, does a great piece, basically saying he signed a contract that said that he would be owed $13 million over the course of his college career by going to Florida. Then Florida's collectives tried to back out. And basically, the kid got caught in the middle, bidding war between the school and maybe some of the adults in his life. I just bring it up to say, I think this is a really cool story. Doesn't end up at Florida, but ends up going to Arizona State. And now, fresh start, and he is Arizona State's starter going into week one. Now, that is a a struggling program. New head coach, uh, Kenny, Kenny Dillingham. I almost said Kyle Whittingham. Kenny Dillingham uh, is the new head coach there. But I give this kid a ton of credit dealing with a lot of adversity and uh, just pushing through. Name the starting quarterback. Good for him. One last camp note before we get to some week zero stuff. Did you see what the NCAA did on Wednesday? Did you see what the NCAA did on Wednesday? Listen, I'm not going to do the whole Torres yell and scream thing. But on Wednesday, we get a report from NOLA.com, the people who cover the LSU Tigers, that Mason Smith, one of LSU's elite defensive players, I saw the Athletic put out a mock draft. I believe he was late first, early second. Mason Smith was suspended for the opener against Florida State next Sunday night. Why, you ask, was he suspended? Well, it was because two years ago, weeks before NIL became a thing. So remember there was like a, I think it was July 1 of 2021. Just overnight, players went from not being able to accept cash for signing autographs or doing whatever to being able to accept cash. Do you guys remember that moment in time? Well, apparently a few weeks before that, He and one of his teammates, Kayshawn Boutte, who is now with the uh, New England Patriots, they did an autograph signing in the pre-NIL era, weeks before the NIL. And so the NCAA found out Mason Smith was hurt last year. And so because of it, they have decided to instead, they couldn't suspend him last year, obviously. So instead suspended him for the opener this year. Let me just say this. Sometimes in life, like, like sometimes in what I do, when I do this show, I really I like to have like a unique take, a unique perspective, a unique opinion on things. This particular topic, there is nothing unique to discuss. It's just a bad, 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 bad look for the NCAA. And listen, if you guys and girls have listened to this show through the years, you know, I'm not Mr. Anti-NCA. I'm not the NCAA. They they do everything wrong. But that's not who I am. But I do, I do think at some point the NCA has to look in the mirror. And we've often talked about on this show, like, like what is the win in doing this? And so what is the win for the NCAA in suspending this kid? Suspending this kid. On the one hand, I get it. He broke a rule two years ago that was in place at that time. And on the one hand, I, I, I guess I sort of understand. Rule gets broken. You have to be punished, even if it's a minor rule, even if it's a minor punishment. At the same time, my opinion is like everybody else's. That was a different world. It was two years ago. It was the pre-NIL era. And now we have players literally making hundreds of thousands and in some cases, millions of dollars as college football and college basketball and maybe even other sports. Olivia Dunn at LSU with gymnastics. We have college athletes making millions of dollars. And so from Mason Smith's perspective, it was two years ago. It was weeks before NIL. And I'm guessing it was an autograph signing. If you watch the Johnny Manziel documentary, probably made a couple grand, maybe two grand, maybe three grand, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more. We have kids literally getting that kind of money daily as college students right now in the NIL era. And so I just think it's such a bad look for the NCA, and it's just so completely unnecessary. And I don't understand what the win is for the NCA, and I don't understand why they insist on doing this stuff. Disappointing part is we're not going to see him play. This kid was hurt last year. He got hurt in the Florida State opener last year. I believe it was the second series of the season. It was disappointing. You felt bad for him then. Obviously has gone through rehab now all the way back. And a couple days before the season begins, you're not allowing him to play in one of LSU's most high-profile games. It obviously hurts LSU. Florida State has a great offensive line. We'll preview that game next week but man oh man oh man it is just so disappointing and so frustrating and it does feel like the ncaa like you could have you, you didn't have to do that it was just so unnecessary and so disappointing i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here as in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Finally, last college football. I know we're going a little bit long here, but week zero is here. I don't think there's an amazing takeaway. I I do think that sometimes we wait so long for college football that everybody's got to do their big week zero take, and here's my best bets, and here are the biggest implications, and da-da-da. Bottom line is there's not a lot of great games on Saturday. Notre Dame plays Navy in Ireland. That's a 2.30 Eastern kickoff. USC hosts San Jose State at 8 p.m. Eastern. I hope you get Pac-12 Network. Pac-12 might be dead, but the Pac-12 Network is alive for one more year. Why I bring it up, I'm not going to spend a ton of time previewing this. All I would say is a couple things. One, I do think from the – let's start with USC. Can Caleb Williams regain – can he win a second straight Heisman Trophy? I actually think is one of the more interesting storylines in college football. Now, bluntly, it's only been done once before. And it was interesting at Aaron Torres online today, we did a kind of a Heisman poll. And my buddy, Garrett Carr, I thought brought up a really good point. He said, the problem with picking Caleb Williams to win the Heisman, he can't just be as good as last year. He has to, in many ways, be better. And that is one thing that I've noticed through the years, is that that anybody who wins the Heisman, it's usually a quarterback. But if they return to college for another year, They're kind of graded on a curve, aren't they? Like, it's never good enough to be as good as you were last year. We saw how great you were last year. If you're not better this year, then we're not going to pick you to win the Heisman. And so when it comes to Caleb Williams, I just think his back is up against the wall, not because he won't be better, but because can his stats possibly be better from a year ago? Remember, this guy didn't win the Heisman Trophy by accident, okay? This was a guy that last season, his stats were unbelievable. 4,500 yards passing, 67% completion percentage, 42 touchdowns, and five interceptions. 42 touchdowns, five interceptions, over 4, yards 4,500 yards passing. And the thing about Caleb Williams, remember, he was a guy that the reason that I thought he should win the Heisman isn't just the stats. It's because they needed him to be great every single night. Now, this year, he has just as much talent around him. The defense should be better. The offensive line should maybe even be better. I do believe it's going to be kind of hard for him to repeat, though. The other thing worth noting with USC, the schedule is actually really tough. It starts out easy. Their final six games are insane. Their final six games feature five teams current or four teams currently ranked in the top 20 of the AP poll plus UCLA which is good enough to potentially win the Pac-12. Not Notre Dame on the road, Utah at home which beat USC twice, Washington at home, Oregon on the road, UCLA. Final 3: Washington at Oregon, UCLA plus at Notre Dame and Utah. So I like Caleb Williams. I think he's great. I just think it's going to be way too hard to replicate everything he did last year. And again, USC, of course, can't have a disappointing season either. Otherwise, he probably won't get that Heisman. But I'm curious to watch him on Saturday night. They open against San Jose State. And I'll give you a little bit of preview from next week's episode. Next week, uh, Monday, I will make my college football playoff picks. Why I bring it up. My Heisman Trophy winner plays this weekend. My preseason Heisman pick to win, to win the Heisman w- plays this weekend. And it ain't Caleb Williams. I actually like Sam Hartman, the quarterback at Notre Dame, to win the Heisman. couple reasons. One, he's really good. I think it's 77 touchdown passes, 78 touchdown passes over the last two years at Wake Forest. He's a guy that the, the locker room loves him. He's one of those guys. They announced a bunch of guys have Beats by Dre deals. And he is one of them. Gave the whole team Beats by Dre. Gave the whole team a new set of Under Armour cleats. You know, the Under Armour did a new design for Notre Dame. So really good. And I think the thing that's that stands out, they have some super high-profile games. And they're at home. And he's going to have a chance to, to, to really impress the nation. They play Ohio State at home late in October. As I just said, they play USC at home in the middle of October. And then in early November, they play at Clemson. Now, are you going to go 3-0 and in all those games? Probably not. But if you can go 2-1, and if you potentially outduel the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, that's something that is going to stand out. And I think the narrative, if Notre Dame goes late into the year with a chance to make the Heisman, it's going to be, well, we knew the offensive line was good. We knew the defense would be good, but this is the quarterback. This is the guy that they've been waiting for. So Sam Hartman is my Heisman Trophy winner. I'm excited to watch him on Saturday. Ultimately, I think think that's my only real hot takes for week zero next week's Wednesday show. We'll preview those Thursday games. Remember Utah and Florida play on Thursday night, my UConn Huskies host NC state. So we'll talk about those games next Wednesday. And then of course, Friday, we'll preview the LSU Florida state game and all that good stuff. All right. That was a mega first segment. I feel like I just talked for 45 minutes straight. Maybe I did. would it be the first time. Quick break, come back, just a tiny little bit of college hoops. Cooper Flag, number one high school player in America. We know where he is visiting for college. And then also some interesting developments on the Kentucky-Gonzaga schedule. Quick break. Be right back. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. By now... You know Betfred's story started in 1967 in the U.K., over a 1,000 shops in the U.K., and they have now come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of not only all things Aaron Torres Media, but the Colorado Rockies, the Denver Broncos, the Cincinnati Bengals. And what I love about Betfred, nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred does. I've been telling you that for a year. We have sent listeners of the Aaron Torres Pod to Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. The Betfred suite at Cincinnati Bengals games is rocking. Betfred bettors have thrown out first pitch at the Colorado Rockies games. Nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred, and here is what they are doing for you right now. How about this? Bet $50 on any game. Get up to $1,111 in free bets. Here's how it works. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Bet $50 on anything you want to bet on you automatically get $111 in free bets. But beyond that, you get up to $200 in insurance for your first five weeks as a Betfred customer, totaling $1,111 in free bets. I've told you for a year, nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred. They're the only book that I bet with, and I want to thank Betfred for being our presenting sponsor. All right, everybody! I'm back, gonna be back, gonna be back. Ah, so here's the deal. I know I say it all the time. I say, oh, I think we're done talking college hoops for a little while. I don't remember there being this much college hoops news in late August into September, but it feels like every couple of days we get an interesting update somewhere. And we certainly got an interesting one over the last couple of days as on Wednesday, we got a very interesting update recruiting wise on the number one high school player in America, Cooper Flack. Last time we talked Cooper flag, you may remember it was off of that historic, incredible week at peach jam playing for the, in the U 16s for his home state, Maine United put on a performance for the ages at peach jam. This is what Cooper flag did this summer, 25 points per game, 13 rebounds per game, six assists per game, seven blocks per game, multiple triple doubles. Let me read those stats again. 25 points, 13 rebounds, six assists, seven blocks per game. And so I bring it up. It was an incredible summer. And obviously after Peach Jam, things have gotten somewhat quiet. Now we did get an interesting update on his recruitment a few weeks ago while I was away on vacation. And that was that he officially made an announcement that we had all expected, or at least I expected, because we talked about it here on the Aaron Torres pod and the Aaron Torres pod YouTube channel. That announcement was that he was originally a member of the class of 2025, meaning he would have just been entering his junior year this year. But over the last couple of weeks or so, he announced that he is instead going to move up to 2024, meaning that he will be playing his final year of high school basketball this year. Other than that, it's been a little quiet for Cooper Flag, at least until Wednesday, when we got a very interesting update. And again, an update on something we sort of talked about here on this show. We found out, that according to a report from Travis Branham, 24-7 Sports, Cooper Flagg does intend to make a couple official visits this fall, marking the first official visits he has taken as a high school recruit. Those three schools that he plans on visiting, in no particular order, we don't have dates or times. Duke, Kansas, and the reigning national champion, Yukon Huskies. And you know, I got thoughts about this news. First of all, let me start by saying that. Duke has been the perceived favorite. Duke should continue to be considered the perceived favorite going forward. We've talked about it in every update that we've done on this kid, but Duke been on him forever. He is a kid that has a grown up, a, a Duke fan growing up. He did take an unofficial visit to Duke earlier this summer, kind of after peach jam within the last couple weeks, that was an unofficial. That was really kind of the first real buzzy piece of recruiting news on his behalf but he took an unofficial to Duke. They've been perceived the favorite, and I think they have to be considered the favorite going forward. Obviously, one-and-done school, You know, there's nobody really standing in the way. They kind of get what it's about. You come here for one year, we get you ready for the pros, and you move on. I think it is also worth noting, I think to me this is a sort of important nugget here, is I do think him reclassifying may even help Duke even more. Why do I say that? It's because in the class of 2025, when Cooper Flagg was there, there was a big debate of who is the best player in 2025. Is it Cooper Flagg? Is it Cameron Boozer, the son of Carlos Boozer? And I think there's this belief kind of in, in basketball circles that while those two players respect each other, I have no reason to think they don't. I'm not implying that they don't. Basically, they, they, they're, they're two guys. They're, their games are so similar that probably it doesn't make sense for them to play college basketball together. So if Cooper Flag had stayed in the class of 2025, it was going to kind of be like, does, does he go to Duke? What does that mean for Boozer? Does Boozer commit first? He has the family ties, all that good stuff. Well, now Duke can sell, hey, you come here for a year. We get you out. Oh, by the way, Cameron Boozer, you come on down the year after to play behind Cooper Flag, or to, to play after Cooper Flag leaves. That, that that is no longer an issue. So I think Duke is the favorite. But I've said it for probably about two months now, and I stand by it. I truly believe that another school, I believe at least thinks they have a legitimate shot at Cooper Flag. That is the reigning national champion, UConn Huskies. And I know not ever say, oh, Taurus, you're an alum, yeah, just you're, you're a homer. Da-da-da. No, no, no. It has nothing to do with me being a homer has nothing to do with it, me being my alma mater. If my alma mater was Kalamazoo Tech, I wouldn't be saying Kalamazoo Tech has a chance at Cooper Flag. One, first of all, I'll just say this. If he's taking a visit, it means that he's considering the school. That is a positive sign in and of itself. He's not going to take the visit if he's not considering, um, period, end of story. There are also a couple things working in UConn's favor. One, I don't think geography is a huge thing for him in his recruitment remember he's from the state of maine but plays high school basketball in florida at MontVert academy so i don't think you know geography is a huge factor but i don't think it's no factor at all remember we talked about this a few weeks ago this is a kid that he played for the Maine united team at peach jam they had bus loads of people from maine coming down to south carolina to support him his brother and his teammates his brother, of course, played AAU with him. And so I bring it up because they're a tight-knit family, tight-knit community. Yukon, geographically, is obviously the closest to Maine. Now, I haven't looked exactly where he's from, where his family lives, how far away it is. But I don't think it's nothing. I don't think it's everything, but I don't think it's nothing. Two, and I've mentioned this before, there are some interesting family ties to the UConn uh, program. Cooper Flagg's mother played at the University of Maine, where she was teammates with the late and i say this unfortunately but the late mother of donovan klingon who unfortunately is no longer with us and so i'm not trying to claim that i have any insight into that relationship and obviously again it's it's just an awful situation for the klingon family but there are ties the families do know each other it can't hurt now donovan klingon's probably going to be gone by the time cooper flag would get to yukon but again it can't hurt the fact that the families know each other there's some familiarity there there's some comfort there etc finally and I said this all summer, Dan Hurley and his staff did not act like a group that felt like they had no shot at Cooper flag. And I said this all summer long. And I think it's important. I've been doing this long enough. I I'm not claiming to be the, the, whatever, what I know from doing this, as long as I have those summer weeks, when you're on the road, are very, very, very precious. You have very finite, limited amount of time to be on the road in the gym evaluating players. St. 1984, you can't show up, show up to the gym, you know, 30 days in a row. There's a famous story: Brian Dutcher, the San Diego State coach, he was at Michigan when he recruited Juwan Howard. He showed up to the same park every day to watch Juwan Howard for like 31 straight days because there was no rules back then. Now there are. And so I bring it up because every time that Cooper Flag played at Peach Jam, Dan Hurley was there, and essentially the entire UConn staff was there. Now, I don't know if they were there for every game, every single coach, but they really pushed their chips in the middle to let him know that he is a priority for that program. And again, I go back to what I said a few minutes ago. The staff would not waste their time if they believed they had no shot at him. Now, does that make them the favorite? That's not what I'm saying at all. But if UConn knew they had no shot, they wouldn't be wasting their time. They wouldn't be sending all their coaches. By the way, if Cooper Flag wasn't interested at all, he wouldn't be taking an official visit. So I'm just saying, I think Duke's the favorite, but I'd keep one little eye on UConn. And then, oh, by the way, speaking of which, keep an eye on Bill Self. Bill Self is a dog, okay? Bill Self, this would not be the first one that he pulled out out of nowhere Uh, Just a few weeks ago, he got a commitment from the number one center in the high school class of 2024, Flory Badunga. Going into the day, I think a lot of people thought Auburn was in the mix. It was a weird recruitment. I think Indiana was in there for a minute, Cincinnati maybe early on in the process. And then Bill Bill Self swoops in and gets Flory Badunga. So I'm never going to question Bill Self in the recruitment of a high-profile player. And it's not as though Kansas doesn't have a ton to offer. Uh, Just won his second national championship 18 months ago um obviously a great program great facilities great fan base great nil so yeah we'll see those are my thoughts uh my updated thoughts on cooper flag and what is going on with him and again i'll just reiterate uh you know I, I i go through this and it really does strike me i think it's early i think it's fair to call duke the favorite i think they should be considered the favorite same time just keep an eye out for uconn And we'll see what happens, see if Bill Self can get in the mix. Obviously, as we get more information, I'll continue to update you here. There is actually one other College Hoops topic, believe it or not, that I do want to get to just very quickly. I don't want to spend too much time on it. But did you see what happened uh, earlier this week with Kentucky's schedule, specifically as it pertains to their rematch with Gonzaga? Now, if you remember, it was about a year ago that Gonzaga and Kentucky announced a home-and-home schedule, a home-and-home game between the two teams. Not technically a home-and-home, Kentucky didn't play in the Kennel, but whatever. The point being, last year they played in Spokane, this year they're set to play in Rupp Arena, and ultimately the two schools decided to extend the series and it became a six-season series, so they will play well beyond this year. Why do I bring it up? Well, as I said, they played last year. But more importantly, earlier this week, we found out the date and time of when Gonzaga and Kentucky will play this year. Now, normally I wouldn't talk about it, but it became interesting to me for this reason. This will not be a normal, regular season out-of-conference game. Not going to be played in November and not going to be played in December. Instead, John Rothstein reported on Wednesday that the game would be played after the new year And on Thursday, Kentucky came out with their official 2024 schedule, 2023-2024 schedule. It includes all the games that we already knew about. And we found out that this game will actually be played in mid-February, the Saturday before the Super Bowl, February 10th. Let me just say this. I love everything about this, okay? First of all, I think it's good for both schools. So from the Gonzaga perspective, listen, you guys and girls know I'm not anti-Gonzaga. I love Gonzaga. I think what Mark Few has done is incredible. But what has been the knock on Gonzaga every time they lose in the NCAA tournament? It's that in the once you once you turn the calendar from December to January, once you're into the conference portion of of, of the schedule, there isn't really that much of a test for Gonzaga. And so it doesn't prepare them for the NCAA tournament to be beating up on San Francisco and Pacific and whoever, Portland. I can't even think of everybody else in that conference. And so the big thing for years has been Gonzaga needs to play a game or two out of conference against really good competition to prepare themselves for the NCAA tournament. Is that actually a fair assessment? I don't know. They seem to do well in the tournament every year. They've gone to two championship games in the last five or six years. But that's been a concept, that's been a conversation, and now for Gonzaga, I think this is great. There is no tougher place that you can go than to Kentucky in February in what will likely be a Saturday night game, primetime, and I'd argue might be the biggest event in sports on that specific day, because again, the Super Bowl's the day after. From Kentucky's perspective, I love it for this reason. You have a young, young, young team going into 2023, 2024, and that team looked very good in their overseas global jam trip to Canada. And I'm higher on this team than maybe a lot of people. I think it has real, real, real potential. At the same time, you already have a very loaded November and December. You play Kansas in the second or third game of the year in the Champions Classic. You play Miami at home. You play North Carolina in mid-December in the CBS Sports Classic. You play Louisville. You have a loaded SEC schedule. And so why I like this game is it's a little bit later in the year. It allows you to kind of, one, get out of the grind of SEC play, but two, not to overwhelm a young team in November and December. Listen, I think this team's going to be good, but the worst thing you can do is over schedule take a loss or two or three, and then it's kind of a snowball effect where all of a sudden a young team loses confidence. So instead, you now play a bye game earlier in the the year. You're playing a you know, couple different teams, whatever. I know Illinois State is on the schedule. I know I think one of the Ivies is on the schedule, Penn maybe, whatever. But that allows you to hopefully pick up another win and then you gain confidence when you play Gonzaga. By the way, when you're in SEC play, It's going to feel different when Gonzaga comes into town, but the competition level, I think you'll be more prepared as you play the Mississippi States and the Tennessee's and the Arkansas and the Alabama's, whatever. Finally, let me just say, I think this is a huge win for college basketball because listen, one thing about college basketball, I think they do a great job of creating marquee games that people want to watch, but I also love the idea of doing this in February breaking up the monotony of the regular season, the monotony of conference play, and just doing something different. Listen, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm older than I look, okay? I know I look like I'm a little baby. I re- I'm i old enough to remember the 90s, early 2000s. There were always marquee out-of-conference games in January and February. I remember Duke always used to schedule generally St. John's. Sometimes it was just so they could play at the Garden. Duke would always play at a conference. Me being a UConn fan, they played Arizona in January and February a couple of years. They played Stanford when Stanford was good. They played Kansas. I remember them playing Kansas in February, UConn, Kansas, February. Just think about the sound of that. Um, you know, I'm not old enough to remember this one, but go back. How about this? 1991. That was the year that UNLV went into the NCAA tournament undefeated. They were the number one team in the country. They went to Arkansas. They went to Arkansas, again, on Super Bowl weekend. They might have even played Super Bowl Sunday. I could be wrong on that. I think they actually did play Super Bowl Sunday. That was the lead-in to the Super Bowl. But you had Arkansas UNLV on Super Bowl Sunday, or maybe it was the week before whatever. But we're talking late January, early February. Shaq and LSU played a bunch of marquee games late in the season out of SEC play. And so I've never understood why college basketball went away from this. I think this is great for college basketball, and I'll be blunt cannot wait to watch and again i think it's good for kentucky i think it's good for gonzaga it's going to be a really fun one in what is a season uh that's going to be really fun i I, listen i i know college football is literally about to start this weekend but i cannot wait for college basketball i just want to do quick take a quick break come back when we come back one final segment for the week you already know what it is aaron Wright. aaron raw fun segment you guys love it we'll take a quick break be right back All right, everybody. Hi, I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. Final segment of the week. So good to be back. And I do want to go ahead and wrap as we do every single week here on the Aaron Torres podcast with where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. By now, you know the concept of the segment. Yes, I stole it from my buddy Colin Cowherd. Colin does every week where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. And I decided to bring the same segment to the Aaron Torres pod for one very simple reason. It is because over the course of a week, a month, a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever. Nobody loves giving out more hot sports takes than your boy Torres. Torres said this. Torres said that when I get them right, I love to tell you about it. Just one problem. I get a lot of stuff wrong, too. And so because of it, we do where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong every single Friday here on the Aaron Torres pod, highlighting my best and worst takes of the week. And trust me, this week we got plenty. And I'll tell you this, we're going to span the globe. A lot of different sports today, not just college football, not just college basketball. But let's not waste any more time. Let's get to it where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, where Aaron was right. So listen, let's go back to a simpler time. It was the spring of 2021. It was the NFL draft. And I kept saying the same thing. I said, there were two things. Remember that was the NFL draft. Trevor Lawrence, one, Zach Wilson, two, Trey Lance, three, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, et cetera. In that le- in the lead up to that draft, I said, I don't get two things. Why does Zach Wilson have to be the number two pick in the draft? He was. And why do you have to take Trey Lance at number three overall? And as it pertained to Trey Lance, I just basically said this, small school, lower level, great athlete, needs refinement. Here's the problem. He didn't play the season before because of COVID. Remember, at the FCS level, the 2020 season was canceled. They played in the spring. He had already declared for the NFL draft by then. I said, I don't get it. I wouldn't take the risk. That's not my guy. Well, what happened this week? Trey Lance, the San Francisco 49ers depth chart comes out. Brock Purdy, number one, Sam Darnold, number two, and Trey Lance, number three. Listen, would never wish ill will upon anybody, but I never got this one, never understood why you had to take him so high. I thought Justin Fields was the better quarterback if you're going on upside and potential. I thought Mac Jones was fine too. The 49ers chose Trey Lance, and it appears as though they chose wrong. Speaking of wrong, where Aaron was wrong, all offseason long, I have liked Alabama, and I have said the quarterback situation will figure itself out. Don't worry. To quote Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X, relax. Well, I relax a little too much, and as I told you earlier in the show, I'm starting to get a little bit worried. Those comments from Nick Saban were revealing. The fact that he said, I need one of these guys to step up rather than them waiting for me to name them the starter, I would be mortified if I was an Alabama fan. I'm officially worried. I'm officially concerned. This is a team that is good enough to win a national championship, but they need competent quarterback play, even if it's not elite. Right now, I don't even think Nick Saban can figure out who he wants to play at quarterback, let alone somebody emerging. I would be very concerned if I was a Bama fan. Let's keep it going. Where Aaron was right. Told you earlier in the show, Cooper Flagg, number one high school player in America, is visiting three schools. What did I also tell you? The same thing I've been telling you since July. Everybody was gift wrapping, gift wrapping this kid, excuse me, to Duke. And I kept saying, listen, I'm not saying that Duke isn't the favorite. What I am saying, Dan Hurley is not acting like a coach who does not believe that he has zero shot with Cooper Flag. Well, fast forward, Cooper Flag is going to visit UConn at some point in this fall, along with Duke in Kansas. Again, ultimately, Duke is the favorite, and they should be. He took an unofficial a few weeks ago. Every crystal ball that has been logged has been Duke. But at the same time, I told you, Hurley ain't going to back down, and it does make sense from a geographic perspective, from a family perspective, all of that. We'll see this recruitment unfold. I'm fascinated to watch it, but don't give up on Dan Hurley. Don't give up on the Huskies just yet. I've been telling you for months they're going to get a visit where Aaron was wrong. So, look. When the Cal Stanford ACC news first broke, I was like, uh, what, Huh? Cal Stanford ACC? What? No way. Well, as I just told you a minute ago, or actually, I didn't even have a chance to talk about it on this show. There's so much going on. It appears as though this thing might become real. Now, part of it is that those two schools are willing to take a significant pay cut in terms of the uh, money from the TV contract. But at the same time, I thought it doesn't make sense. It'll never happen. Now it looks like it just might. If it does, we'll talk about it at length. But ultimately, again, they're willing to take about a third of the TV money. SMU, by the way, is willing to come to the ACC for free, take no TV money, which is insane to me. But if that happens, the ACC gets an extra $70 million in TV revenue, which they could then split up how they want, and they could give it to the majority of the football schools who have success on the field. So it'll be interesting to watch that said I was dead wrong. Did not think this thing had any chance and I was dead wrong where Aaron was right. What have I been telling you about big 12 commissioner, Brett, you're Mark. I've been telling you he's an alpha. He's a go-getter. He's fearless. This guy shook up college sports over the last two years. The big 12 was left for dead. And all of a sudden they're looking really good with now 16 teams after this year. Well, well, why am I bringing him up on Aaron right, Aaron wrong? Did you see what he said on Wednesday afternoon? He was at Texas Tech speaking, and he said this about the Texas Tech football program. Coach McGuire, I'm not trying to put any pressure on you, but I'm going to be in Austin for Thanksgiving, okay? And you would better take care of business like you did here at Lubbock last year. That is Brett Yormark acknowledging. Texas Tech beat Texas in football last year, and I'm going to be there Thanksgiving Day. I expect a win. Listen, I love this. We talk about Greg Sankey on this show all the time. He's Mr. Politician. He's never say anything controversial. I don't even know anything about the Big Ten commissioner. The ACC commissioner, no idea. The Big 12 commissioner, Brett Yormark, he's an alpha. I love it. He's calling out Texas. He's telling his schools to go beat Texas's brains in. I love everything about it. Really quickly, a couple more where Aaron was wrong. So I'll be honest. I was hosting radio the day that it was announced that Lionel Messi was going to come to the US to play for Miami. I think it's Miami United in the MLS. And I was asked the same thing that everybody asks every time anything happens. Is this going to change soccer in America? And I said, look, I've been hearing since the 1994 World Cup that soccer is a year away from being a year away. I don't buy it. Well, where I was wrong, This Messi thing is so much bigger than I could have ever anticipated. One, everywhere he plays, sellout crowds, 30, 40, 50, 60,000 people. But I'll tell you this. Last week, I was traveling. Now, granted, I was in the Caribbean. I was in a soccer-crazed country. But everywhere I went, uh, Messi's team played a game while I was at the hotel. You know what I saw? A bunch of people at the hotel bar with a computer out, watching the game, wearing messy jerseys. My my father-in-law went and sat with them and watched the game. I am amazed by how big this is. I had no idea. I could not believe how much interest, how many of those pink Miami United jerseys that I have seen over the course of the last month or two, messy in soccer in the U.S., way bigger than I thought. Finally, two quick ones. Aaron Wright, James Harden. So when James Harden demanded a trade, I said something very simple. I said, here's my question. Are we sure there's a trade market for James Harden? He's old. He's out of shape. He's not a winner. Listen, I've criticized Ben Simmons a lot. Ben Simmons couldn't get out of the second round in Philadelphia. Neither could James Harden throws his teammates under the bus, throws his coaches under the bus. He's never happy. Why would anyone want to trade for him? Well, fast forward, He's bickering with the 76ers because the 76ers can't find anybody to trade for him. I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked. I'm over James Harden. Listen, I said this on my radio show the other night. There are some NBA superstars that I'm not a fan of. Kyrie Irving is one of them. But I think Kyrie Irving kind of gets like, hey, you know, Kyrie Irving, it feels like to me is kind of like in on the joke, right? Like he kind of gets like, I'm a little quirky. I'm a little bit different. If you don't like me, that's fine. I'm going to be me. James Harden, to me, I think still believes that he's the dude from 2018 that thinks he's an MVP candidate. He's not even the best guard on his own team right now in Philadelphia. That's Tyrese Maxey. So over James Harden, so over the NBA. But I got to wrap with this, where Aaron was wrong. 2020 NBA draft. I started with the 2021 NFL draft. 2020 NBA draft. I thought Anthony Edwards was going to be a bust. Well, fast forward, Team USA is playing in that little World Cup uh, qualifier thing, basically for the right to earn a spot in next summer's Olympics. And I bring it up. Anthony Edwards has been the best player on the team. There's good players on that team. Anthony Edwards has been a star, 34 points. He's awesome. He's a young, emerging, dynamic star. I thought he was a little overrated coming out of Georgia. As it turns out, it was probably just Tom Cream. All right. That was a loaded we covered a lot of ground on this episode of the Air Tours. I mean, think about it. We started with Caleb Williams at week zero and Alabama's quarterback situation. We ended on Anthony Edwards. No podcast in America is doing that. Time for me to get out of here. If you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you're subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, and give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. It is time for me to get out of here, and I appreciate your guys and girls' support. Shout out to Torrin Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Redick, that Unblock me, bro. I'll be back on Monday. How about this? I will give my college football playoff and national championship picks that's Monday, Aaron Torres.